Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. One of the things about the advent of the internet and the ability of anybody who wanted to, to set up their own blog or set up their own podcast was the democratization of the flow of information. Any Anyone who wanted could present their take, uh, put links to sources that they found were um, possibly informative to their audience. And at least at the early stages, one could set up a blog or a podcast on zero cash investment. One of these platforms that exists is blogger.com. Now, I used them for a period of uh, oh, five years or so back in 2008, 2009. And uh, I ended up becoming busy with other things. But there's like a small percentage of the uh, articles I wrote that were worth either reprinting or developing. And uh, I found out in some of my ignored emails that blogger.com that's blogger.com, had informed me that some of my emails, some of my uh, blog posts offended community standards. Now, what community, I don't know. There is no incitement to violence. There is no uh, expression of uh, bigotry towards uh, any racial or ethnic group. Uh, there were some political opinions that there might be, or there are, definitely people who would not share those opinions. But Blogger decided not only to seal off the public from my uh, from my writing, but also to seal me off. So uh, I clicked on a link to communicate with them. The link was dead, right? Uh, and, uh, I'll see that, how that goes. And hopefully the platforms I now reach my audience on, uh, will have a, a little bit more of a, uh, positive attitude towards free speech. Another area in which, uh, the beautiful promise of the internet did not quite live up to expectations was in the area of newspaper sites, uh, websites where you could look up uh, newspaper articles. Uh, I remember uh, during the Crown Heights riots, I was living in Crown Heights at the time, uh, reading all three papers during the entire uh, turbulent period. And... Al Sharpton, uh, who led demonstrations in which people were chanting, uh, kill the Jews, 
told uh, one of the newspapers, I think it was the Daily News, I suggested the Jews of Crown Heights uh, uh, secure the services of moving companies. In other words, uh, Judenraus, get out. There were also uh, calls for uh, uh, searching for and apprehending uh, the an individual who was driving a car which lost control having been hit by another car and hit a black child, Gavin Cato. And uh, one of the activists suggested doing a house-to-house search for this individual. Now, uh, anybody who's read European history knows that uh, house-to-house searches uh, say in Russia and Poland were not orderly affairs. They, uh, free, they usually were a pretext to, uh, uh, rob and to, uh, attack and kill, uh, the people who were the target of these, uh, house to house searches. Now, um, these were all in the papers at the time. I suppose somewhere there might be an archive of Daily News articles, New York Post articles, uh, New York Times articles, but they're very difficult to reach. Um, uh, The account you get if you do a Google search or any search engine search of uh, Crown Heights riots uh, is airbrushed in Uh, subtle but significant ways. There are places for censorship. If it's, uh, say, if somebody is publishing a blog on, say, bomb-making instructions, if they're doing something, say, like Taylor Lorenz did, of publishing the private address and uh, personal information of somebody she disagrees with politically. I think such a person should be censored and uh, subject to fines and penalties. But if somebody has um, opinions on, say, vaccines or health, uh, or they have political opinions that might be out of the mainstream, or maybe they're in the mainstream, but the mainstream media doesn't approve of them. I don't see the uh, benefit. It's, it's to the contrary, it's very harmful. Denying people those opinions by suppressing them on search engines, or in the case of Blogger.com or YouTube, they're they're big time offenders. Although I still use them. It seems as though, although the the Internet facilitated free speech and uh, access to the public forum more than ever before, that the people who had the capital and the technical know-how to uh, launch these platforms became frightened of the implications of them, the democratization of the flow of information and they have cracked down big time. There still is, thank God, resistance to this, 
but there needs to be a lot more. This reminds me of the 100 Flowers campaign back in 1956 in communist China. China was kind of following in the footsteps and trends of the Soviet Union at that time. And, uh, after the death of Stalin in 53, this led to a liberalization in the Soviet Union, which in turn echoed in China. So the Hundred Flowers campaign, there was a speech that uh, um, the dictator Chairman Mao gave in which he said, let a hundred flowers bloom, meaning that uh, uh, flowers being metaphors for various opinions, and that everyone should be able to express their opinion about the present and future of Chinese society. So they put up effectively free speech uh, build bulletin boards in cities, and people put up... Uh, essays, caricatures, uh, slogans, etc. And some of these were very challenging to the authority of the Communist Party. And they very quickly, not soon after the advent of this Hundred Flowers experiment in free speech, they cracked down, took down the boards, traced down some of the, uh, to the Communist Party's point of view, more offensive posters, and uh, hunted them down. And uh, some cynics feel that the whole Hundred Flowers campaign was a ruse uh, to get people out of their secret opposition to the Chinese Communist Party and to uh, get them to express it openly so that they could receive a visit from the secret police. On the brighter side, one aspect of the internet that no one has cracked down yet on yet, I guess there's maybe no reason to, is the availability of music from around the world. I remember when I was when I was uh, in my late teens after having moved back to the US from Italy I was very fond of Italian pop music and could not find could not find it anywhere certainly where I was there was no radio stations this was way before the internet and I remember ordering uh record albums these were vinyl records and it took me over six weeks to get a shipment of uh, five uh, popular Italian um, record albums. And uh, today, not only my musical tastes have expanded to all the major continents, I haven't found any rock groups from Antarctica, but I can get not only the latest music from uh, Italy, France, Germany. I've discovered groups like from Zambia, there's a group called Chameleon. 
as soon as I figure out how to, I will gladly post some links of them and some beautiful music from Burkina Faso. The field of Afropunk is vast and diverse. And uh, thank God that is still uh, available. When I was a teenager, back in the 70s, there was kind of like a list of bookstores and newsstands I could go to where I could get newspapers from communist China, North Vietnam, with whom the United States was effectively at war during that time, North Korea, and and Cuba. I had to take a trip into Boston and Cambridge and go to various places. It was very time-consuming. It was effectively a day trip. Today, I can sit in my, sit in my living room uh, and I can look for uh, news broadcasts directly from Russia. I can look for North Korean propaganda, or anti-communist uh, uh, propaganda uh, directed at North Korea, directed at uh, China, and I don't even I don't even need to. All I need to invest in is my uh, monthly internet bill. But uh, this is more more in the area of cognitive science. What I have discovered is the ease with which I can look up information, everything from a from the source news source from, say, a country that is uh, considered an enemy, or unpopular political opinions, or simply to look up a word. I can be reading an article in either a hard copy book, I think there's quite a few people who still know how to operate those, or an article online, I can look up a word and instantly get a dictionary definition if I want, or an etymological history of the word, if that's if that's more my speed. But there's a downside to that. I have found that when I look up information online that I forget it very clearly, very quickly. Uh, maybe it's old age, but I find that uh, when I don't have to work very hard, when it's just a couple finger taps to get it to, to get a piece of information, that information is easily forgotten. Where if I have to uh, hop on the subway, go downtown, uh, do some walking. That results in the effort that I have expended in seeking information. It results in that information staying with me far more permanently. This is especially apparent in the area of phone numbers. I used to be very good at, uh, you know, memorizing mm -hmm. phone numbers. And I can still, I can still do it if I put my mind to it. But now what I 
usually do. I get a phone number, I store it in my phone, and I let the phone do, do the remembering for me. And um, I try to resist that in the area of arithmetic calculations. Uh, I, I like it as a mental exercise to say, for instance, add up grocery lists in my head. Take, say, five items and figure out approximately what they'll cost, or maybe even ten items. But letting a calculator do all the thinking, that that would seem to possibly weaken a person's mental agility in the area of mathematical mathematical calculations. We have physical education classes. We have people working out at gym, gyms to build their muscles, etc. I could definitely see the value in courses that are taught with the sole benefit of pen or pencil and paper. No calculators allowed. And then having spent maybe an hour in class a week with 19th century technology attacking mathematical calculations to then allow people to go back to use the uh, calculators. But just as cars contribute to physical flabbiness, it seems to me that... um, Computers and calculators possibly have the unintended side effect of contributing to mental flabbiness. In a total change of topic, there is a lecture which I got, we as a class got several times during my elementary and junior high school education. And in it, in the lecture, it was usually it could you it could be titled in loco parentis. In loco parentis is a Latin phrase meaning in the place of parents, meaning that the school that a child was in would do their best to execute the will of the parents, or at least not to go against it. I had a seventh grade teacher who told me, my parents gave me a book, it was called The Naked Ape by Desmond Morris, and they also gave me The Grapes of Wrath to read, and I had a seventh grade teacher who was very emphatic that some parents in the school might not want their kids exposed to those to those books. Um... There were sensitive scenes in Grapes of Wrath, and there was, uh, from what I recall of The Naked Ape, it was basically uh, comparing much of uh, human behavior to animals, which according to Desmond Morris, we were descended from. So the school library had a you know pretty adventurous set of books, but nothing that nothing that would really venture into R-rated material, and it was a uh, uh, common space shared by people. The schools were common spaces shared by people of different backgrounds, and the school really tried to uh, 
supplement and support what the parents were doing. And without going into the grim details of what goes on in many public schools today, uh, that whole idea has been completely abrogated. It almost seems like in the public school sphere and in a lot of uh, very expensive private schools, that uh, the rights of parents to pass on their values to a new generation have been Mm -hmm. completely abrogated. And people need to vigorously defend and fight for the rights to pass on their religious and cultural traditions to their children and grandchildren. It seems like a drive is afoot to nationalize, to make our children the property of the state. Here we were worried about businesses being nationalized, you know, taken over by the state. Instead, they seem to be trying to uh, do the same thing with raising children. So, on a parting note, just like China had its 100 Flowers campaign, which was brutally and probably premeditatively suppressed, it almost seems that the awakening and the blossoming of uh, free speech and free flow of information and ideas with the advent of the Internet, that There are powerful forces with uh, Facebook, I guess it's called Meta, and uh, other uh, YouTube and other uh, media, that they're trying to uh, suppress that free speech. They're trying to suppress the flow of information. Now, Communist China had its hundred flowers brutally cut down. We should not let that happen here. Whatever your opinions, dear listeners, may God bless you. Uh, Let's exchange ideas, occasionally offend each other. We'll survive hurt feelings. Have a good rest of the week. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com. Thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio, which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous and closely resembles adios in Spanish.